the PTAB, uh, the estimates from the big uh, patent lawyer trade group, which is the AIPLA, they claim that a, a reasonable defense of a patent at the PTAB for the patent holder is five hundred dollars to $800,000. And attorneys look at that and you try to get one to do it on, on contingency. They look at it and say, well, wait a minute, I'm gonna have to put in all this work. And if we win, which is a very low probability, there's no winnings. You just keep the patent from being invalidated. And we can face several of these attacks that we would have to win all of them before we can ever get to court and then try to win there and have any damages. So they just so, put a layer of expense in front of the entrepreneur or inventor instead of being able to go to court and get damages for them stealing your right. work. Now they put right. this whole layer in between to make it impossible. Yeah. If you've been paying attention, you know the global economy is transforming. The BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency, and many countries are joining their effort. The Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are going to fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Randy Landrino coming to the program. He is the founder, the co-founder of usinventor.org. And he's going to share with us. And I've been wanting to interview him for a while because I know this is such a critical topic. And he's going to share with us what's going on with the patent system and innovation in this country. And how we are literally pushing inventors and innovation to China through our crappy system and how big tech has taken over the patent system and our, the minds of our legislators. My God, you're going to hear some of this. And they just go in and take patents from little guys and invalidate them. Just do it. And uh, the, it costs just, they've set up this, this special council and meeting that allows, I think, I think he's saying like 83 or 84% of all patents after they've been approved and they, they build their companies on it, the big company notices that they have this really nice patent and they want it, they just go in and take it. And then they know to fight that, it's going to cost like $800,000 in this stupid little court that's been fixed. And then you have to pass that before you can even go to court, a regular court. People used to win in regular court a lot more, used to be much more fair. Now with this, everybody, they just get their patents taken away. And and so it's, uh, you got to hear his story and how that's pushing innovation to China. And uh, we have to seriously turn this around and because what made our country great is the innovation and we've been stagnated big tech and big pharma and all these guys they they don't they have monopolies and they don't want anybody encroaching on their territory and they want to be able to freely steal innovations from 
the small guys. So that's what they're doing. But in the process, and he'll explain it, how that's pushing innovation to China, because all these inventors are like, heck with this, China's laws are pro-inventors. They've changed it so that the, the, to incent innovation, protect people's rights. And so these these investors and in innovators are going to China instead of here, because there's been so many nightmare stories up to, over the last 10 years. They know that they they're in trouble unless they go to a place that'll protect them. So you got to hear this because this is really important. And I don't, I, it, people need to be informed on this. It, it's not the the sizzling thing, you know, as far as it's so exciting to listen to this stuff, it, but it's real and it's something that is impacting all of us. And he's going to give you some examples of some real innovations and how they got completely hosed over. But before I get into that, I want to tell you about Marjorie Wildcraft's seminar on how to grow your own food. It's getting to be springtime. It's things that we need to think about is how do we grow our own food? And in fact, she she has a free seminar that you can go to at sarahsbackyardfarm.com. She has over 36, I think it went over, she has 36 experts that talks at this. And she'll teach you whether you have zero experience, whether you live in an apartment, have no land, she'll teach you how to to grow your own food so that you can have more nutritious food. And if something disrupts the food supply, you will be out there growing your own food and you won't be as dependent on any kind of situation. And it's healthier for you because as you know, the food that is being grown and put in the grocery stores just has, I think she was saying like one-tenth the nutrition that it used to just when we were kids. So it's not what it used to be. And to get the nutrition like we used to get, you got to grow your own food. So she'll help you with that. Sarah's backyardfarm.com. Okay, let's get into this really interesting conversation I have with Randy Landrino. Hi, Randy. Welcome to the program. Hi, glad to be here. I've been wanting to interview you for a while because I think this is one of the major elements that is affecting our country and why we're seeing so many monopolistic, abusive behaviors all over the place. You know, big tech being one of them and so many in big medicine, big pharma. You are the, I think you're the founder of the, what is it, usinventor.org? Usinventor.org. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really co-founder. It was two of us. Um, I'll, I'll tell your your readers the history of it uh pretty interesting how it came about and it's also uh, it says a little bit about how a grassroots movement can actually get something done right because you know here we live in a world where the big corporations have so much money and they have their highly paid lobbyists who are basically hired guns uh trying to do everything for them and what they want That's is typically right. very often not good for you and me <laughs> uh, it's good for you their cash flow or their monopolistic yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. But but um but yeah, US Inventor was formed uh in an effort to to try to stop a terrible bill that was going to affect uh patent rights, the rights of especially the little guy. You invent something and you know you, you're if you invent something and, and get a patent on it, that's supposed to mean something. That's supposed to give you the legal right to stop uh some other entity or large corporation from just taking it. Now you can sell it to them. Uh, but it should be an arm's length transaction or you can license it. Um, or maybe you want to have the next great startup and compete with them and not let them touch it. Let Make them have to out-innovate you. 
That's how the system was designed. In fact, I should give you a little bit of history on this because, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, we, we, we kind of know the, the America has been the place of innovation and we've led the world in innovation. And it's kind of hard to think of something really great that wasn't invented here, you know? Um, but why is that? Us, but yes. Yeah. I mean, think things, of all the things. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's kind of hard to find something that wasn't. And, and, um, you know, why is that? Is it just because, you know, America is different or something? Well, it, it was actually kind of created to be that way. In fact, you go all the way back to the founding of America. Um, here we were, we won the, the revolution, which, which was just amazing. I mean, George Washington, he just never realized he was beaten even though he lost a bunch of battles, right? <laughs> he kept going <laughs> until he won. And we won the bat, we won the war. And here we were, uh, a, a, a new country kind of struggling to survive. And George Washington and I guess other key founders said, you know what, here's, here's what we need to do. One of the things we need to do to get this nation going is really uh, help create huge amounts of innovation. And what they created, and we're, ta we're talking all the way back in 1790. Uh, in fact, the Patent Act of 1790 was the third ever act of Congress. It was under George Washington. And, and basically, um, it was an effort to, to give the right to what to the person who invented something. We're, we're talking intellectual property rights. By the way, intellectual property, well, it's, it's like a property right from something you created in your mind. That's why it's called intellectual property. And around the world, they didn't, you know, I mean, people have argued with me and said, well, England had intellectual property rights. Yeah, well, you had to be rich and probably connected to the elite to even participate. In other places, you know, if you're a friend of the king, you might be awarded uh, the exclusive right to something. And they even, they even called that a patent. How about that? Yeah. But in America, what our founders said was, hey, whoever you are from any walk of life, you come up with something that's never been done before. You can own it. And what an incentive for the little guy to start innovating, you know? And 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 there were elites around the world that that scoffed at it. Oh, it's like, oh, America, like the common person can invent anything, right? Of course, a few years later, you know, they were they realized that we were on the right track because we were innovating like crazy. And it is the little guy and girl working with their hands or out there in the world who aren't necessarily even they may not have any education, but they come up with solutions to problems and right. they end up being great inventions. Yeah. And so, and so interestingly, interestingly though, for all of your, any of your viewers who, you know, there's this viewpoint that, oh, our founders were sexist. Well, the, the patent act of 1790 described inventors as he, she, or they, oh. in other words, women from 1790 forward had all the rights of men when it came to uh, patents and copyright. How about that? That's, um, well, that's awesome. That's a really great example of trying yeah. to move your country forward and all hands on deck being innovative. Yeah, and it worked. And look, look, so America, much faster than otherwise, became a world power. Um, we, we uh, you know, became the lead innovator in the world. Um, and we stayed ahead of our adversaries. That's a key thing that we're having trouble with now. Um, and interestingly, you know, back to, so so women had these rights. In fact, so what we're talking about is a totally merit-based system. That's right, yep. And and actually, interestingly, the first black owner of a patent was a guy named Thomas Jennings uh, in 1821. 
Now, that's well before the Civil War, right? Uh, he was a free man in New York City. He was a tailor, and he invented the first version of dry cleaning and uh, did very well with it. In fact, used his wealth to help get relatives out of slavery and to uh, support the abolitionist movement. So the point is, the system was for everybody. It was for the common person. Um, and it was designed to just, you know, inventors who do well, it, it helps everybody. It helps them, their families, their communities, the country, in fact, the whole world. You know, it's, it's just a win-win situation. So, so this worked pretty darn well for a couple of hundred years, right? And then, um, amazingly, in fact, I should, I should start out by saying in 1998, Bill Gates was interviewed. This is back, Microsoft was at the height of their power, pretty much. And the interviewer asked Bill Gates, what is it that worries you the most in business? And he assumed he, Bill Gates would mention something about another software company or something, right? Gates immediately says, somebody in a garage inventing something I haven't thought of. Because that is the threat to the large vested interest. It's a new innovation where someone actually has patents, a patent and, and patent rights they can defend, and they can then compete with the big guy. And but but that's always been what kept huge, huge corporations from becoming total monopolies. There would be competition. There would be something new coming in. There would there would be a new innovation that would would kind of take over, and you'd have a turnover. And so no no one entity became too large and powerful. Well, here's the thing. These big corporations, and look, these guys like Microsoft and like Apple, they all they all start with one or two individuals who are very innovative, often with uh, a patent or two or several, and that's how it all begins. Well, um, and that's how these guys became huge monopolies. That's how they started, at least. Well, these, these attorneys working for these corporations, they kind of got smart and they said, well, what can we do to limit competition? And what they what they ended up doing was using tremendous uh, political influence and lobbying to get a law passed called the uh, it, well the the I'm going to talk to you about a, a particular law and a couple of bad Supreme Court decisions, but the law was called the America Invents Act of 2011. Now, I personally, when that bill was being pushed, um, by the way, these bills always sound good, right? They American always sound good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. Be nice to puppies. Be nice to puppies act, right? Anyway, um, so so here I was. I was an inventor working on some different things. I was actually, I also did prototyping and CAD work for other inventors and uh, companies. And I was the head of the Tampa Bay Inventors Council, which is a local nonprofit group. There are a bunch of about, about 50 or so different local inventor groups where inventors get together and meet and try to help each other. And I found out about this law that that was being pushed called the American Vents Act. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, this is terrible. These guys are trying to destroy the rights of inventors and and, and basically, you know, take yeah. out this key part of America. What and I, I started fighting it. What you know, specifically it, were they trying to change? The the one thing that the one thing that that ended up doing the most damage was the creation of an administrative court called the Patent Trial and Appeal Board. Now, prior to this, your fights would take place in a real court where you have a real judge, lifetime appointed. And by the way, you you know this, I'm sure, but many people haven't really thought about it. Man, a lifetime appointed judge is important because they're not looking for a better job somewhere right? 
they're they're kind of in it and and hopefully honest and most of them are i'm sure well i i don't know i've seen enough i've covered a lot of different things so i know our <laughs> justice system yeah. is really corrupt and a court yeah. you know a jury system at least has a chance of getting past the corruption uh, just a judge deciding on their own has proven yeah. to be pretty bad in a lot of ways and it's, a, and it's a very american thing look the seventh amendment is the right to a trial by jury that's right and and a lot of countries don't have that i don't know exactly but i know that in other countries we're, we're kind of unique in that fact but it's, a, but it's so, the one thing that balances out the court system so that there can be some justice because individual judges can be coerced and blackmailed pretty easily yeah, I've seen some really good movies on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot, or I've covered a lot. But anyways, I mean, your point is well made. Now they, they're going to take it out of the court system and put it into a, something that they really can corrupt and control. Yeah, and and so, and so oh, there's so much to it that it'll just kill you. But you got to know, and everybody, you, you got to know the truth to be able to fight it, you know, and that's what we're doing. We're fighting it. And and by the way, you'll, you'll like, by the way, I don't want to depress everybody. Just know before this is up, you'll see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, and there is an effective way to turn this around. But anyway, um, so here you have this administrative court. And of course, you know, it was partially sold by huge big tech lobbying about, you know, oh, there's all this frivolous patent litigation out there, which, you know what, you can find an example of an attorney somewhere doing something objectionable if you look hard because you know how attorneys are. That's but. There's there's plenty of them. They're people too. So there's going to be a lot of bad guys everywhere, right? But but I mean, you can also take a few examples and make it look like the sky is falling, and that's kind of what they did. That's right. So that's right. So it's all this litigation, and then also, you know, we're just going to have this this administrative court, which is just going to be for those rare cases where the patent office made a mistake, and if they make a mistake, there ought to be an easier, more efficient, faster, cheaper way to fix it than going to district court. That was the the, the selling you know, the closing job that the lobbyists did. So now though, so they created this administrative court. Now, if you sue someone for infringement, oh yeah, they will argue 100% of the time that that is one of those mistakes. It's Suddenly, 100%. They're all mistakes. <laughs> if it's a big, somebody with deep pockets, big pharma, big tech, and you're the little guy, suddenly it's a mistake every time, right? Yeah. If, if you're, if, and, and what really, the only thing that matters is, is it valuable? Right. In other words, there are a lot of patents that aren't valuable. A lot of a lot of patented inventions are very interesting, very cool, you know, but but there's no real market or whatever it is. There, sure. There's not. But those ones that are really valuable, there will be a large corporation that says, oh, man, we got to have that. In the past, what they would do is say, well, maybe we should call them up and work out a deal with them. Now they typically just take it. Um, and so here you have this administrative court. Um, let me tell you a little bit about this court. It's called the Patent Trial and Appeal Board. We call it the PTAB, P-T-A-B. Experience the groundbreaking advancements of Leela's quantum technology, now backed by over 40 placebo-controlled studies conducted by elite institutions and renowned universities worldwide. This revolutionary technology surpasses previous achievements, as confirmed by prestigious organizations such as the Emoto Institute in Japan. Scientific investigations reveal that Leela's technology not only enhances blood health and circulation, but also neutralizes the adverse effects of electromagnetic fields, 
expedites wound healing, and elevates ATP production in human cells. Embrace the extraordinary benefits of Leela's tech as recognized and utilized by world-class athletes, esteemed functional medicine practitioners, and leading figures in the field of biohacking. Explore a range of transformative products from the heel capsule, shielding you from harmful EMFs, to the quantum block, allowing you to infuse frequencies into your cherished possessions. Dive into the realm of innovation and wellness at sarahwestall.com shop or by following the link below. There's no judge. You have a panel of three. They're called administrative patent judges. They are basically government employees. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, typically they have a fraction uh, of the experience of your patent examiner who granted your patent. But oh. they... So they don't have the experience that they claim. There are all these claims. Oh, well, they're ex experts. No, our, our, our research shows not, not at all. Um, you don't have a jury, no jury. Um, you don't have, you have very little due process. In other words, it's this fast, efficient process that's supposed to be fair. And 84% of the time that they review a patent, it gets fully or partially invalidated. 84% of the time. Wow. And partially usually means the, 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 the claims that matter. So in a, in a patent, the claims are what defines exactly what uh, your patent covers. And let's say you have 10 claims. Um, some claims are more important than others. And let's say they, they invalidate seven of your claims, but you have three left. Well, you, you still have a patent, but you pro they probably got the claims that mattered. So you have you basically have a patent that you can't do anything with. You can't. It's been neutered. So it's a horrendous, and by the way, too, it's also a very expensive process. Um, so so here's the thing about patent litigation. Patent litigation is expensive, okay? How would the little guy, I mean, Steve Jobs didn't have any money when he started. Bill Gates didn't have any money. Hardly any inventor has any money when they begin. But the way in the past you would get to court is you would do it on contingency, right? Uh, you don't have to pay the attorney much up front, but they share in the winnings. And I know a guy that went against a big car company 35 years ago and he won. They were guilty. They still, he had a high-tech shock absorber patented. They said they weren't interested and they copied it and, and he ended up taking it to court on contingency and he won. He did pretty well. Um, now though, it's quite different. The PTAB, uh, the estimates from the big uh, patent lawyer trade group, which is the AIPLA, they claim that a, a reasonable defense of a patent at the PTAP for the patent holder is five hundred dollars to $800,000. Jeez. And attorneys look at that, and you try to get one to do it on, on contingency, they look at it and say, well, wait a minute, I'm going to have to put in all this work. And if we win, which is a very low probability, there's no winnings. You just keep the patent from being invalidated. And we can face several of these attacks that we would have to win all of them before we can ever get to court and then try to win there and have any damages. So they just so, put a layer of expense in front of the entrepreneur or inventor instead of being able to go to court and get damages for them stealing your right. work. Now they put right. this whole layer in between to make it impossible. Yeah. Time, time and money. So you're adding a couple of years, you're adding uh, a lot of money and it, it's it's horrendous. And I and I can give you, oh, by the way, before I before I give you some examples, because there's some, some products that, that your viewers uh, probably know of and actually have used. But before I tell you that, let me just give you a little more of the, the inside treachery of this whole thing. So 
so one of the ways this was sold to Congress is that this administrative court will be run by the patent office. Well, that should be okay, right? That doesn't, that sounds like it should be okay. Well, and of course, the director of the patent office has the highest authority over it. Um, well, the, the director of the patent office is appointed by the president. And what, what, what are appointments based on? Probably who the big, who the big donors want, right? So of course, who are the big donors? Big tech, right? Yeah. So, so this was under the Obama presidency. Um, you may have heard Obama say, saying, we need to make, make our patent system, uh, we need to harmonize our patent system with the rest of the world. Like, come on, you don't harmonize downward. Let them harmonize upward, right? That's right. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I know. It, it was it was very, anyway, uh, very illogical. But so, so big tech gets the law passed. And then the next thing you know, the person who gets appointed as the director of our patent office, who's going to set up this court, hire the judges, make the rules, the administrative court, the person who gets appointed is the former head of patent strategy at Google. Oh, okay. I mean, it's come on. And then, of course, you know, and and every new president appoints a new director of the patent office. And, you know, typically, typically big tech gets who they want. And, of course, we we fight, you know, we're we're fighting on many fronts to to get someone there who's going to be on our side. Uh, at least be neutral, right? But but anyway, back to back to examples. Well, like like what inventions can I point to that your viewers might care about um, that have been affected by this system? And by the way, many inventors don't have a clue. A lot of inventors are in their garages; they're working on stuff. They they just assume that they'll be protected by the you know you know inventors' rights are directly in the Constitution. Did you know that the word right, as in someone's right to something, it's only in the Constitution with respect to um, inventors and writers. The Bill of Rights came later. So, so if you look in, the, in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8 is, is the, the uh, patent clause they talk about. And basically, it's the, it's, it's the exclusive right of inventors and authors to their discoveries and writings for a limited period of time. It's in our, directly in the Constitution. But anyway, um, so think about this. And this is a perfect example of what you want inventors out there doing. Um, it used to be if you had to have a heart valve replaced, a valve in your heart, they had to cut your chest open, stop your heart. It was a terrible surgery. And 20% of the people who got the surgery died from the surgery, right? It was really bad. Yeah. Um, and this doctor, and there may be another doctor, but the one I know of is Dr. Troy Norrit. He was a heart doctor in Oklahoma. And he had this wild idea that there was a way to do it in a non-invasive fashion. And he did all this research and he did all this work, working with pig hearts and valves and all this stuff. And everyone thought he was crazy. Heart surgeons really thought he was crazy. And he came up with what is done now and he patented it. And what it, it's what they do now, where they take a special valve, they put it in a catheter and they feed it up through a, uh, an artery in your thigh and place it in your beating heart. And most of the time, the patient goes home the next day. This is like, this is fabulous. We're talking millions of lives saved. You know, the other thing too is only an inventor, kind of a wild-eyed inventor would even attempt it. And think, you know, there are a lot of things that the inventors attempt that don't work out. Well, this one worked out and he was right. 
and it's millions of lives have now been saved. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. In his case, the company that in, took it and invalidated its patent was uh, Medtronic. Mm. Medtronic is, you guys, any of you out there in the medical profession, they're everywhere. Um, they invalidated his patent and they're making who knows how many billions of dollars and he gets nothing. He he, he runs into a doctor doing the procedure and he says, you know, I invented that. And they say, they think he's crazy. No one's ever yeah, heard of They him. don't even give him credit for that. That's like, th that adds salt to the wound, right? Yeah. But the other yeah. thing too is he's got improvements to the process in his head now because oh, he's the one well. guy who could improve it and he's not going to tell anybody well, he until we fix really. the system. Well, he uh, could, yeah. but he's not going to. Yeah. And so they just pretty much stunted that. That's what we were saying before we got on on air is that this whole process just stunts, puts us in the dark ages where we just can't evolve. We can't move yeah. forward. Yeah, totally. And if 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 inventors are aware of it, it's a disincentive to invent. I mean, look, you, yeah, you want to you want to solve a great problem and you want to help people, but you also want to be, you know, you want to get your just do from it right um so here's another example um so in texas where you have oil refineries and you have pipelines and all this stuff going on derrick's there are toxic gases that can leak from these different processes and gas like ethylene ethylene is like toxic i think it's cancer causing and these toxic gas leaks are invisible you can't see them with the naked eye and sometimes they're like little pinhole leaks like in a pipeline um and the, the the technology for for handling that for finding those was very weak you know it, it was called a sniffer it had a flame on it you had to like walk along a pipeline it would, it would take forever and it, it wasn't all that effective a, an inventor named uh david furry guy in texas invented he, he invented a camera you can look at one of these toxic gas leaks and it looks like a, 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 a it looks like black smoke coming out of this thing you can see it you can take it on a helicopter and spot these leaks, boom, 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 and, and handle them. It's like he got the biggest, and he got it patented, uh, received the, the highest award from the Texas EPA. Uh, they, The Texas EPA said that his invention lowered the level of ethylene in the air in Houston by 60%. How about that? Huge. Wow. Yeah. And in his case, another a big company was working with him. They were going to license it. And then they just decided, okay, we'll just copy it. We'll just take it. And they used the PTAB to invalidate it again. So they invalidate it. Um, here's something that, if, if, by the way, do you ever do any uh, speed jump rope -like training at a gym? Not really. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I should, but no. <laughs> yeah, me too. I should. But but anybody who does any any serious jump rope training, you'll notice that the jump rope being used all around the world now um, is different than what we grew up with. We grew up with these ropes where you, know, you have a handle and, and the rope comes into the handle and it's just the old fashioned jump rope. A woman named Molly Metz, uh, she was a five-time world champion speed jump roper. It's a sport, I didn't know it. <laughs> and she actually is a five-time world champion. She got into a car wreck and her body wasn't working quite right. And, and she didn't like the way she had to hold the handles to make it work. And she started tinkering with, with concepts in her garage and came up with what is now used everywhere. And it's like a cable instead of a rope. And instead of going straight into the handle, the rope, the cable goes off the side of the handle and it's connected by a couple of swiveling mechanisms. And so it's faster and easier and your hands don't have to be held perfectly. And everyone she talked to wanted one because she was working with a lot of, she coaches a lot of jump ropers. 
and turned into this business where she's building them, she's hiring people, she's using, you know, has has a business built around it, very successful, American made. And uh, then uh, in her case was Rogue Fitness. Rogue Fitness is the big player in the sports industry. They approach her and they're interested in licensing. And again, they just copy it and they use the PTAB to invalidate her patents and just take it. And, you know, this is, and they're, and they're selling, you know, okay, it's, it's a jump rope. Well, well they know it's a jump it, rope. It, making... it, uh, hold on a second. So they, they have companies, are com- big companies now just know they can steal these patents. If you're small and you don't have the money, they just, well, let's just go take it. Cause it's going to cost us. It's we're going to be able to win. But if they go yeah. against other big companies, they don't because they know it could. You know what I mean? Well, Is it just the yeah, small if people, it, they go ahead. You know, sometimes they look. I I know people who are who are pretty well off. They're like, you know, you got the small guys who who get taken out. You, you have some larger guys get taken out too because the system's just corrupt. But but you're right. Uh, um, in virtually any industry now, they know about it. So here we're talking sporting goods, toys. You ever you ever heard a bunch of balloons? I've, of I've balloons read that is, article, but tell them, okay. yeah, tell her because this is a it's a big deal. Yeah, and and by the way, guys, you know you might say, well, you know, uh, a heart valve invention, maybe that's more important than a toy. But you know what? You come up with something that's really valuable that no one's ever thought of. You deserve to to benefit from having come up with it, having prototyped it, developed it, and put it on the market. In other words, you should you should. This is America, you know. Well, I the, almost the think I almost think these toys and that kind of stuff is almost more important because you could make an argument that Medtronic, that this doctor didn't have the distribution means to get it and save millions of lives, and Medtronic did. Now that doesn't warrant them stealing it and not him not benefiting. But there's an argument you can be made, even if it's a BS argument. What argument can you have with balloons? <laughs> yeah. Right? Well. You know, and the other thing too is, look, look, in, in this tough world we live in, something that provides a little bit of enjoyment, that's pretty darn valuable, right? Um, so, well, so yeah, this, I mean, well, if people are willing to pay for it, it has value to somebody. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so, so a guy named Josh Malone, he was a very sharp guy. Uh, he was a, a computer chip engineer at Hewlett Pack, I mean, at uh, Texas Instruments. And uh, he had eight kids. And they like to have water balloon fights and it would take forever to make the water balloons, right? So he came up with this concept and he prototyped it and it worked. And it's what is now, you'll see it out there, called a bunch of balloons. You have a you have a, a fitting, you connect it to a hose. It has all these tubes coming off of it con- with connected to balloons that are connected by like sharp bands. So you, you basically hook it up to a hose, you fill up about 40 water balloons at a time, you shake it and they fall off sealed. You can do like a hundred a minute. And, and... This is everywhere now. It's like, it, you know, it, it it just went totally viral. He put it on on Kickstarter and it raised like a million dollars, right? And uh, but one of the large, uh, the biggest as seen on TV company, Telebrands, saw it on Kickstarter. This is one of the problems with Kickstarter and big crowdfunding. A lot of the big guys are watching for a hot product. In his case, they bought one of his from Kickstarter. They shot a commercial with it. And then started flooding the market with his product. Jeez, and, and, then, didn't talk- and then they invalidated his patent with this. Well, here's what happened with Josh. Okay. Here's what happened, happened with Josh. Um, Josh, first of all, thought, well, this is ridiculous. I'll stop him because we have a patent system and this is America and justice works. And he took them to uh, 
bottom line is he started trying to stop them, was winning in real courts, but then they took him to the PTAB and they won there. And the bottom line is, I mean, Josh did things that it's nobody I know of who's small has ever done all the things that Josh did right to end up finally winning. It took him five years. He did finally win, but it took about $20 million to do Jeez. it. And who has now, $20 now, million dollars who's an inventor? Not right, very many. Right. Right. And he, he did so many things right. I mean, one of the things was he figured out a way to have it produced cheaper than than his. Inf- Normally, the infringer can produce your product way cheaper than you. So they end up, you know, you've got yours for $20 on the market. They got it for 10 and people just buy the cheap one. He worked out a way that they couldn't undercut his price. So he, he stayed in the fight. He also had investors that backed him. In the end, there was a point where he could have lost everything. Yeah. Um, 20 million in and it could just gone, gone up in smoke. But he won. Part of winning was getting involved with U.S. Inventor and making it very public in Washington, D.C. and creating a kind of a public relations problem for the patent office. Because here they were, here they were uh, supporting a serial infringer over an inventor. And, you know, and, and by the way, any of you out there who are inventors, your attorneys will always tell you, oh, no, keep your head down. You go to Washington, D.C., that'll make it worse. And honestly, Bad advice. Josh's attorneys told him not to go to DC. Well, the um, we even did terrible. I've I've so many stories of bad attorneys, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We we even did we even did a uh, a protest at the patent office where we burned our patents. And you know, here we are. Josh was there. My colleague Paul. I'll tell you about him in a minute. Me, some other inventors, their families. Oh man, and they wouldn't give us a permit to do the protest, but we did it anyway. And it, Homeland they Security was everywhere. Give you a permit? No. <laughs> and Homeland Security was all over the place, and and uh, I thought for sure some somebody would get arrested, but uh, but no, we you know we we and we got got a little bit of press, and honestly, um, I'm I'm about ninety, yeah, because because the the. Uh, the patent office director who was from Google, Michelle Lee was her name. She had resigned. Trump was about to appoint a new director. The guy who was acting director, who looked like he was going to be appointed, was a guy who is totally on the wrong side. He's now in hearings. In hearings in Congress, he'll be on the side of big tech, right? This, yeah. this guy was about to be appointed as director. It would have been a typical thing. And uh, through a couple of uh, sources, our information about this protest got to Trump's administration. And next thing you know, Trump appoints somebody who's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's pretty good. And he did, he tried to help us. He helped a little bit. You know, we don't think he did enough. Who knows what barriers he faced? I don't know. But, but he certainly didn't make it worse while he was there. But of course, now Biden has appointed his, which the jury's still out on. And it's a long story. But, but anyway, um, so, so anyway, this bill is about to be passed in 2011. I'm sitting there saying, I got to stop it. I start getting all these inventor groups around the country to kind of, I, I try to get them to call their reps, call their senators. Let's stop this thing. This is terrible for us. And we didn't have enough of a voice, right? We just didn't have the voice needed to do anything. Mm-hmm. And we lost. Two years later, they try to pass another bill. Two years later, another bill you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, doing my work and I go online. Wait, something just passed the house in a landslide called the Innovation Act. Oh, this was horrendous. It, now, of course, you know, it's got to pass the House and the Senate. It's become law. 
past the House in a landslide, 325 to 91, huge passage, both sides, Democrat and Republican. Um, this thing was going to put in loser pays. Now, you know, you know, in Europe, if you sue someone for anything and you don't win, you owe them their court costs. Yeah. Which, yeah. from the standpoint of the person being sued, I can see how, how they would say, okay, but what about the little guy suing a big corporation? Well, what about but, a real... Yeah, you have some good... Idea. They're, they, they were trying to curb people just sue all these frivolous lawsuits. There isn't you know, like a perfect was, solution, right? There's no, there's no perfect solution. And, you know, but the point is, in patent litigation, you're talking about huge costs. And if, right. if it's a little guy suing like a big giant corporation... And you don't win, even if you have a good case, but but maybe they have their attorneys are way better than yours, which will be the case. Suddenly you could owe them five million bucks. You know, because just because you sued them and didn't win. And and it, it's not like it the way it the way it is now, if it's a if it's a frivolous case, they can go for attorney's fees. And that's a whole nother thing. We don't probably have time to talk about it here, but it used to be hard to do that. Now it's easy to do that. Um so this whole thing about frivolous litigation is a bit of a false narrative, basically. But that makes sense. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, this was and this passed the house in a landslide. And so I immediately jumped. This is in December of 2013. I jumped on the phone. I started doing the same thing before, looking for allies out there. I find a guy like me doing the same thing named Paul Morinville. He's to, he's actually fighting this bill uh, from Indiana, and he says we got to go to the Senate and stop this thing. I said. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know this, and and I bet your viewers don't know this either. Every one of you listening to me, you can go to the U.S. House and the Senate, and you can go in. You have to go through security and all that. You know, you can't bring any weapons in. <laughs> don't try; you'll get in big trouble. <laughs> but but you can go to every single office and you can try to talk to somebody. At the very least, if you if you kind of make yourself look like you're legitimate, you can probably at least get to the staff member who deals with the issue. And we went to 70 of the 100 uh, Senate offices over in a short period, like very early in 2014. And one for one, the, the, the people we spoke to said, wait a minute, we thought this was a good bill. And we, we of course, we only heard from big tech, yeah, but we were we ready to vote for it. We only heard from big tech, so we <laughs> thought it was a good bill. Yeah. And so, and so, oh, yeah, it would stop frivolous litigation, you know, and uh and it, it it just and of course they kind of had to talk to us because they hadn't talked to any inventor, so that helped us get into a lot of offices. But in the end, it slowed it down enough that it couldn't get anywhere. But then it came back with the next Congress, which was a Republican-led Congress in the House and the Senate, which I would have thought was better. But at that point in time, it wasn't. Um, it was worse, and it had more support. Of course, we had more allies by that time helping fight it. And in the end, and this is interesting. Um, the expert, of course, there are all these experts out there, right? And you know what? Experts are often not right. You kind of have to decide, is that expert right or should I just do what I think is right? The experts were saying, oh, no, you can't stop a bill like that that's been that's won in the House like that with that high numbers. You can't stop it in the House next time it comes through. You just have to fight in the Senate. And, you know, we said, well, no, we're going to stop it in the House. And we went to... I think probably every single office in the house and this bill passed the judiciary committee. So it's got to go through the committee before it can go to the floor, pass the committee, no problem. 
but they never could get it to the floor because they're not going to bring it to the floor if they don't think they could pass it. And so they do their vote counts and they try to figure out, do we have enough to pass it? And what do we think? And it kept, oh, it's going to, you know, today. And then, no, it's going to be next week. Now it's going to be next week. And it, and it kept being drawn out and we realized we were winning. In the end, it never got to the floor. Um, and I'm told by somebody who's extremely knowledgeable that in the history of America, no bill that had passed that heavily first time in the House has ever been stopped second time. And we stopped it. Now we had help. It wasn't just us, but sure. we were a big part of it. <laughs> well, they realized the once they were informed that this could really, I mean, this is anti-innovation. I mean, this will, we've already put one nail in the coffin. This would really put the next one in. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so that's another point, too. How many of our lawmakers are corrupt and how many are just decent people trying to do the right thing? And I, I really think that, look, maybe I'm, maybe I'm still a little bit naive on this, but I think there are enough decent, honest people that if you, if you make them aware of something, you can, you can either stop something bad or hopefully get something good done. It's harder to get a good bill passed than it is to stop a bad bill. I think that uh, there has been enough bills that have gone through where everybody votes for it that it's really obvious they're being coerced and blackmailed. There's certain bills. There's other bills that the lobby, whoever the powers that be, aren't yet saying this. Ha we have to pass this. If they decide that it has to be passed, it's amazing how all of Congress backs it. Yeah, yeah. And there's Maybe a lot when of when it comes to wars and other things that are, yeah. you know. And there's also the other thing, as you know, where they try to put something into a, a like into the omnibus finance bill, try to slide something in that so everybody's gotta vote for it, even though that's not part of the finance yeah. Yeah. area anyway. We've 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 actually won on one of those as well, but got it got something not put in that was about to be put in by Patrick Leahy. Um but basically by having Thousands of inventors call their senators nationwide and say, hey, don't let him attach this to the omnibus finance bill. And they didn't attach it. So, so, but, but, he, so here's... people who do that, are they corrupt? I mean, why are they doing that? They do they genuinely think I mean, I think that they're corrupt. They're being they're somehow in bed with big tech or big pharma. Well, you know, there are certain there are some districts you know, there are 400, 435 congressional districts in America. Some of those districts have big tech as their biggest employer. Think about Nancy Pelosi's district. That's all a lot of big tech there. Um, and where where you have a, a U.S. representative who has big tech as a major employer in their district, um, they can probably, I think they get convinced of the narrative I don't, of course, of course, they're all getting getting donations, right? And of course, to me, I mean, it sounds kind of like bribery to me, but donation, you know, we're we're not the guys donating. We don't have any money, right? But but um, you know, I think on this particular issue, any any congressman who doesn't have big tech as a major player in their district, we can get them on our side, and that's definitely more than the majority. Um, so Senate's a little. No, no, keep going. You can finish your thought. I'm sorry. Senate's a little, Senate's a little tougher, but, but like right now, the big effort is, and, and by the way, there are a couple of other issues. It's not, it's not just this administrative court. That's a pretty obvious one. But you've also got a couple of bad Supreme Court decisions. 
Um, one was was the uh, it's called the eBay decision. It was in 2006. And it used to be that if you won your patent case, you could stop the infringer. Like it's called injunctive relief. You could get an injunction immediately, automatically. Uh, the eBay case said that, well, you know, more or less the market will be better served. It, it's in the public interest for the uh, infringer to keep producing the invention, but the court will figure out what the inventor gets. And that's turned into now, if you win your case, you got to pass this big public interest test to get an injunction, which is extremely difficult, especially if you're a little guy facing a big guy. And what does that mean? Well, you know, you end up with, uh, number one, how do you have the next great American startup if you can't, if, if the huge vested interest has already taken the market and you can't stop them? Um, you know, and, and then how about investment? How much can people invest in this if they know that you're not going to be able to have injunctive relief if you end up having to stop an infringer and you win, right? Of course, of course, the whole thing about investment in patent-based businesses now is totally up in the air now because they say, wait a minute, will that patent even, will it be invalidated or not, right? But uh, but so injunctive relief is, a, a you know, if you win your case, you should be able to stop the infringer. You know, you, instead of getting some court-ordered royalty, which my, my friend, my, my colleague Paul calls it... Uh, an English major in a rope tells you what you get. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so that was a bad Supreme Court decision. And there was another one referred to as the Alice decision, which which generally affects software-related inventions and things like uh, medical diagnostics. Um, you know, a lot of our key future inventions are software-related. You know, think about artificial intelligence, quantum computing, um, all that stuff. And this particular uh, Alice decision made it extremely easy to invalidate uh, any of those inventions, which of course, big tech loves that because those are the types of inventions that would really compete with big tech. Your health revolution is one parasite protocol away. Are you ready to reclaim your vitality? Say goodbye to the invaders that have been keeping you sick and embrace a new healthier you. Here's what you can expect when you embark on this transformative journey. Increased energy. Regain the energy to enjoy life's activities from playing with your kids to savoring time with your grandchildren. Stress release. Bid farewell to unexplained anxiety and depression caused by parasites. Experience a drastic improvement in mood and newfound balance. Digestive health. Restore harmony to your digestive system by eliminating parasites. Your gut will thank you with improved well-being. Say goodbye to the unseen culprits affecting your health. It's time for a parasite-free life. Reclaim your energy, release stress, and restore digestive health. Join the revolution today. Learn more and buy today at bravetv.store slash Sarah. Use coupon code Sarah to save even more. And, uh, and of course, big the big tech lobby is what the big force in D.C., uh, keeping the system broken, and we're the ones fighting it. And well, big, um, so, big tech is screwing up so many things, right? Their power—they've gotten they, when it comes to free speech, when it comes to controlling—I mean, pretty much everything. I have this theory that suddenly, because it's big tech and it's it's technology, that these politicians turn off their brains and people turn off their brains, and they can't see that these are products just like anybody else, and they get confused over it. And so we have issues with free speech. We have issues with patent infringement. And we have, they've pretty much figured out how to corner all this stuff. 
because people are confused over what big tech is. I think I, it just seems like it. I, when I hear people talk about AI, it's it's so silly. I mean, I, they, I'd say maybe 5% is machine learning, maybe another 1% out there is AI. And there, I mean, literally these companies are saying everything is AI. And my husband, I, I my whole family works in the big tech industry essentially, I mean, or, or some way of it, we're all engineers. I mean, literally they'll have like an algorithm algorithm that just is an if then it's the most basic algorithm that when we when you were using them you know the old computers in the 1940s that was the basis of algorithms it's just basic if then statements and stuff that was all it did and they were marketing it marketing it as ai so this whole thing is and it's just like people have no brains or something they've lost their ability to even think about some of this stuff yeah yeah and and you know um so we have the problem now of these huge corporations becoming stronger and stronger monopolies because they don't aren't facing competition. In the past, before the pad system was destroyed, um, they faced competition. You'd have a new player with something new patented who would then start taking market share away from the vested interest of the time. And so you didn't have, you know, one or two companies becoming hugely powerful. Um, and, you know, per perhaps... Perhaps, uh, anyway, the point is that as they become more powerful, they start getting involved in all kinds of things like you talked about. They, they, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I saw in an interview you had, you had with Peter Bregan, he talked about um, George Washington and how the one person, perhaps in, in all of history, who didn't take power when he was mm -hmm. offered it, total power was George Washington. Um, and this, you know, in, in the rest of the world, whoever it is or the entity you know they take power and power he is very corrupting be, he didn't want to be king he said no i want yeah. to form this country that one act is what allowed our country to be formed yeah oh yeah, and, that was and a we're big so lucky. deal yeah we're so lucky to have had him and the other founders and and of course they even brilliantly created what we had uh, what became our patent system and all this all this uh, great greatness of america and of course now you have a handful what we what we face now is the possibility that a handful of corporations will end up controlling everything. I mean, you know, yeah, you look at yeah, we've never had. I've done I've done conference presentations on the big four, you know, the big tech. But really, the top largest corporations in the world, nine out of ten of them, are big tech or big tech suppliers. Only one, which is Saudi Aramco, the oil company, which I think is like third largest. But these big tech companies, we've never had anything in the history of the world like this that we know of. I mean, yeah. unless we're and, in the second phase. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Well, so, so, and that's, that's a real problem, especially because these guys, they, they, they always want to get involved with, with other things like, you know, you talked about speech and curtailing of speech and political issues and you know they're they're it, it, it's a real danger when huge corporations well that's kind of what what becomes fascism i guess that um, is. but the other the other side of it is this whole situation situation with china so china um most people don't realize that over the last over a number of years china has strengthened their patent system in the ours and their purpose it's part of a very smart long-term plan to attract investment to China for startups based on Chinese patents. And, and I'll tell you what, 
there are patents in America in certain areas where your chance of being invalidated, having your patent invalidated are very high. So they're hard to invest in where the similar patents in China, they don't have that problem so they can get the investment. Oh, um, so there was it's a, causing us to move our inventors to China because they, well, can that's the other... get, they can at least get backing and investment and China will respect their patent. And here we don't respect the innovation. That's yeah. awful. That that and means that we're fueling China's innovation. We are. We are. Totally, totally. And, and you know, the having listened to the false narrative and, and been, you know, our lawmakers have just really messed up and we have to turn it back around. The other thing with China is you have these huge corporations, all these big multinational corporations, um, you know, they look at that Chinese market and they just see dollar signs like crazy. But in working with Chinese, with China, they have to give up like everything, trade secrets, everything. And it puts them in a position longer term where they can just get kicked out and everything is coming from China. So it's a very short term thinking. It's very misguided. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, the answer is we just have to restore uh, effective patent rights for the little guys and for everybody. But for the little guy, little guys are the ones who need it the most. And they're the ones who typically are the ones coming up with great, the greatest innovation. Well, and that's what we're fighting. Yeah, yep. that's what you're fighting. So isn't this kind of plays into the concept that they're trying to destroy America on purpose almost? I mean, because it's just so not maybe most of the politicians are clueless, but it seems like there is a concerted effort to destroy this country or we're just stupid and we're doing all these things anyways. I mean, it's you know, I, almost I don't a know. perfect storm of things that they're yeah. doing. No, I hear you. And I, I, it's, it's hard to say exactly. I mean, look, you could actually say just just these big companies trying to get as much of profit as possible and trying to not be not have to face competition from startups that could actually take market share. And, you know, you could it could be explained by simply the use of all the power that they can generate and all the narr- all the all the ways they can get a false narrative out through the airwaves. Think about that through social well, media and everything tag. else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 maximizing that for their eventual, you know, increase in power and and not market and everything. So, I, I but I totally hear you. I totally hear you. And I'm I'm not I'm not averse to conspiracy theories because most of them end up being true. <laughs> a lot well, of them that's the, well, but that's but. the point. All these conspiracy theories, and we've all been told that we're a bunch of nut jobs. Almost all of them has been proven out, right? And then oh, we amazing. found out the yeah. real conspiracy theorists are the mainstream media with the Russian collusion and all these other things where they just made crap up, you know, mockingbird yeah. media. That's all true. Well, the, the good thing about, so, so the thing about what we're doing, what we, we have lots of allies on both sides of the aisle, Democrats, Republicans, both sides of the aisle. Um, no question. We have lots of allies and where the, the biggest problem is where, again, where somebody, where their district, or their state is too tied tied too closely to big tech. Um, that's the problem. And and but we're pushing forward. We are gaining steam. We're 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 taking ground. And and I I really think that within before within the next month or two we'll probably have a bill that we can totally get behind. Uh, and we'll be pushing like crazy to get to get more co sponsors and to get people behind it and to try to push it through and maybe even get it 
push through uh, this year. But, you know, the way that things work in Washington, D.C., you, you can't always get, especially during an election year, maybe you can't get it done this year, but you build momentum. And then next Congress, you know, you you uh, reintroduce it, get everybody else back on it, and you're kind of like halfway there, right? Um, but yeah, we, we the, the thing is, if we're, by the way, I, I forgot to mention on China. So with China, there is this threat that they're just going to take over all these new technologies. And what's that going to do to America? I mean, one of our big, one of the ways we've stayed so safe is we've, we've stayed ahead of all of our adversaries, right? In, in innovation. There was a study done recently where they determined that 37 out of, that China was already in the lead on 37 of 44 crucial technologies. Wow. Well, and, and Russia's, and it, Russia's ahead of us on military advancements. You know, in a dangerous world, you, you, you need to not be stupid. <laughs> and a I'm stupid saying, thing I'm is just to, saying, you know, go ahead. Yeah, and it's very stupid to, to uh, reduce, you know, reduce the incentive to innovate in America. Because that's, that's the one thing we can do better than anybody in the world is innovate. Well, I mean, look, as long as we keep our people free and not oppressed, because it takes right. a certain mindset, too, to innovate. Right, right. And of course, we had that beautifully, and then we just let it get taken away. So we have to, we have to, we're clawing it back right now. We're, we're, gonna, we're putting it back there. And I, I want to say to your viewers, um, if, if you've listened to this interview, you're probably a little bit shocked. And I understand. And you know, this is such a key part of this country. It's not just a key part that's always been there. It's one of the key things that's made us different than the rest of the world, right? Because America is and has been different than the rest of the world in a good way. And we need you guys to help us. You know, it, it can't just be a bunch of inventors fighting for this. It's got to be every patriotic man and woman in the whole country, or as, as many as we can get to, uh, helping us. If you go to usinventor.org, if you sign, it's usinventor.org. If you sign our inventor rights resolution, then you'll be on our mailing list. Uh, we'll let you know if maybe we're doing something with your U.S. rep or senator. Maybe you want to make a call or show up at a town hall. Let me tell you something. When you call your reps or senators, it makes a huge difference, way more than emailing. A few phone calls are better than hundreds and hundreds of emails. That makes sense. Um, a personal yeah. conversation that that can yeah. have some impact. You can't be rude and yell at them, tell them they're stupid. You have to say, yeah. "Hey, there's some, <laughs> you got to be nice." You, and yeah. there's give them some things to yeah. think about to help them see the issue. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, look, you may just be talking to a staff member. And look, if you if you ever do any lobbying in DC, you know, there's someone in the front who's always taking these phone calls, and it's like it's like, you know, they got a tough job, right? Because people are complaining all day long. So be respectful. But even if you get voicemail, leave a good message. They log these things. They And if, if, if they get a handful of calls in one day, that issue rises in importance. So, but I would say go to usinventor.org, sign our inventor rights resolution, be aware of and be a part of this effort to restore this. Because let me tell you something, if we don't restore the rights of inventors, honestly, I, I fear that a handful of corporations will take over everything and that China will become an ungodly threat, uh, way more than it should be. And our future will be, it, I just I just hate to think about the future of America if we just let this key part of this country uh, be destroyed. And so help us. Um, and I wanna say one other thing too. We're, we're a nonprofit, we're a 501c4. Um, 
if, if you want to donate to us, please do. If you're able to, if you want to do something significant, you can you can reach me directly at uh, uh, Randy at usinventure.org. Um, I'd love to tell you more about what we're doing, but it is uh, it is a, an ongoing fight, and it's not just you know we're, we're working on many fronts. We even do FOIA requests, we do amicus briefs for important cases. Um, we're uh, we're doing all kinds of things. We have right now. We're setting up meetings with between constituents and their lawmakers, where one of us shows up at the meeting all over the country, and it's just a, a huge, important grassroots movement that needs to succeed. You know, failure is not an option here. We have to win this. So this please help us. Of, this is one of the areas. I mean, there's a handful of areas, but this is one of the core things that they're targeting and gutting that's going to destroy this country yeah for certain yeah so. and, and 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 people need to know about it and i and that's i will right. tell you this when, when i'm in an uber like in washington dc if i'm in an uber with a uh I remember there's a guy from ghana my uber driver before he before I, he dropped me off he was an ally people who come to this country for the american dream they get it they get it pretty quickly. It, it may take longer to convince uh, one of us. <laughs> that is but, true. That it, people who come from other countries and see what they've had to endure, like, why are you letting your good thing go? It's like, what yes. is wrong with you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. so I, I really th thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm so glad to, you know, one of, one of the big efforts is to get the word out to lots of people. And, um, you know, this is something that, it's just so important, and I uh, hopefully all of your your viewers uh, are, are realizing how important this is. I hope so. Just informing people, getting and helping legislators understand and be informed and not be snowed. Because yep. big tech yep. has a lot of power. I mean, it's not just big tech; it's also big pharma and stuff. But big tech is really pushing a lot of this behind the scenes. And I don't think people have any idea how much power they have. That's why I did that big tech, big four thing of we haven't had companies like this in the history of the world. I mean, this is this is Stasi Germany drooling over the control they have. I mean, this is over the yeah. top, really is. You know, and you know, it, it's look, one of the big problems is that money has so much influence in Washington, Washington, D.C. That's a whole nother. I don't know how to fix that, but. It's, it's a real problem when when the what big corporations want is not what the common the average person wants right because it's hard for the average person to spend time uh going to offices in dc and trying to get your views heard uh, of course now that's what we're doing and and so we are we're basically uh you know i have a i have one or two people key colleagues in washington washington dc full-time and going to every office they can get to, to just to make our voices heard. So, so this is, this is what a grassroots movement is. It's, you have, you have people who care about it. Uh, I mean, we donated our time initially where, I mean, I went totally broke doing this until finally I started getting a little bit of support and uh, it just matters. And this, we, we're basically the, the group, the only group fighting to actually restore the rights of, of capped rights of inventors and startups. And, uh, any of you who want, you know, I'd, I'd love to speak with anyone personally. If you want to talk more uh, off the off the air, would ha be happy to. But uh, you know, we're totally dedicated, and we're doing things too. We're we're willing to be disruptive. You know, it, it, you have to be disruptive to a degree. 
that's to right. get things done. Yep. And like 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 our protest, right? Well, that's right. you know, it, it oh look, there were people that said, oh no, don't do that. What are you guys doing? But no, it 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 did. It got attention and it it, it made a it point made, known. Yeah, it worked. And uh, so we're we're the guys doing it. And 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 the good, you know, look, look, the one positive thing I've learned from all this is that you can do this. How many countries in the world can you walk in and walk into the office of every elected representative? I, I don't know if you can do that in many places. Well, so and, well, we still have that. They don't stop that because it sounds like they that's something they probably I mean, at times they've wanted to stop it or they have. Right. Well, so, COVID COVID put a stop to it for a while. Yeah. We, yeah. we were actually rolling. We, we were moving beautifully and then COVID showed up it's like Ugh. yeah my thought was oh. they did it to stop us <laughs> well you, yeah they did it to stop a lot of things or reset stuff but thank you so much okay tell us your website again and okay from there usinventor.org usinventor.org um there's a lot of good stuff there um you definitely want to sign our inventor rights resolution and uh and you know you look you'll be invited to we have weekly zoom calls we had uh, Joe Massimo was a speaker uh, on uh, a Zoom call we had a couple of weeks ago. He's the uh, Massimo is the company that has been at odds with Apple for a while now. Mm. A lot of you guys have been reading about it. So Massimo and Joe Chiani, he's the the founder of it. Uh, he invented what is you know you go to a hospital and they put a little thing on your finger that can tell your blood oxygen level. What a great invention that is, right? Yeah. They don't have to take blood; it, they just clip a thing onto your finger. Well, Apple uh, took it for their smartwatch. Oh. I guess their iWatch, and big a lot of lot of battles ensued, and this and that, and and Apple even hired away like I don't know, maybe twenty or so of its key employees. You know, that's another. Oh, geez. Interesting... So not only they take it, they actually hired part of his company. Yeah, and then the whole the, the whole thing gets into wait, wait, are these guys giving away trade secrets, or is that the effort? And it's like, and of course, in the end, you know. Bottom line is he he's actually that's a big, you know, that's a public company, maybe about a three billion dollar company. Um, they may end up winning this battle, but he probably will have spent about a hundred million dollars on it in the end by the by the end. Well, where I the little I guys can... go ahead. But but of course, you know, the little guys, who who can who can come up with those funds, right? No the one. system, the system is supposed to work for the little guy. Whoever you are out there, and by the way, some of you listening, you might say, "Well, I'm not an inventor." Oh, you never know when you're going to come up with something that is like like what Josh did with those water balloons. If you were just one day when you were making a water balloon, if you just thought, "I wonder if there's an easier way," you might have come up with that. It, it, it's not it's not always rocket science. It can be very simple. It's just no one ever quite looked at it, right? And when you do that. If you do invent that and get a patent on it, then you should you should have something. It shouldn't be able to be taken away from you like it is now. Well, and so, the big uh, companies figure it's cheaper to do it and risk the litigation than you know and and invalidate their patent and risk whatever money they're going to have to do to do that because yeah. they know the little guys don't have that much money. So it's it's kind of like with the big companies that get slapped in the wrist from government fines. It's like, well, doing the bad deed, we made more money than that, than the fine. So let's just go forward. That's kind of their thinking, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you could probably argue that uh, a public company almost has a fiduciary duty to steal someone's patented inventions ah. because it'll make, it'll make more money for the stockholders, which is why, look, what we got to do is we have to have a system that, basically forces 
uh, big companies to have some ethics. <laughs> That's <laughs> Because right. if they don't, in, in other words, you have to have a, a danger of, of, of acting be, unethically. It has to be more costly for you to do that, right? Yes. yes. That's what it has to be because then it's not a big, yeah. good business decision. You know, right. Business decisions are narcissistic and abusive. And yeah. So you have to make it more costly to do what's unethical. Yeah, is, that's totally. That's how it has to be. Totally. Well, thank you so much for coming to the program. I really appreciate it.